today's Old World Fanatics. We're chatting more tournaments and other hobby goodness. Enjoy. Welcome to the Old World Fanatics again, your Warhammer fantasy podcast to quench your hobby thirst for all things the Old World. I'm one of your hosts, Gomo, and I'm joined again by Andrew and Josh. How is everyone doing on this Monday evening again? Yeah, we're going doing good, thanks. Very Go well. <laughs> very well, <Awesome>. Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> Josh has got a shiny new thing in front of his mouth yeah. today. Mm. Should be nice and clear. Might be a, a bit clearer than, than it used to be, hopefully. No, that's good. We're, we're upgrading. It's all the money that's flowing <laughs> into the podcast. No, yep, of course. <laughs> yeah, I got a Ferrari parked out the front. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, cool. Well, this is, uh, yeah, well, it's good that we're, we're trying to keep this weekly cadence up. So pretty, that's uh, pretty cool. And today's a good one. We've, uh, we'll do some hobby talk in a minute, but um, we managed to get a couple of fairly well-known Warhammer uh, TOs and I guess, personalities in the, at least the Australian Warhammer scene. Um, and we're going to talk to them. That's Julian and Ben. We're going to talk to them just later in the show, which is actually the bulk of the show. So we go through a bunch of things about their um, tournaments that they've run, their gaming history, their thoughts on the old world, and also um, just, you know, their last sort of small tournament they, they just ran called Retro Hammer. Um, we go through a bit of that. So that's a good good two-hour chat to keep hopefully uh, you listeners entertained while you're painting or whatever or list scheming like Andrew yeah. does um, and stuff like that. So, yeah, this one we'll, just, we'll probably just talk a little bit about what we've been up to the last week in hobby, but out, outside of that then we can, we'll cut over and, and have a chat to Ben and Julian. So who wants to go mm. first with hobby? Um, I guess I can go first. Um, I mean, I've still just been working on – same stuff that I was been working on for the last couple of weeks, really, which is my little ruins terrain and my little um, statue thingy. Um, uh, but yeah, sort of build, building on it. So you know, it was sort of like previous weeks. It was sort of doing all the the structure to it and the the molding and and a bit of early painting. Um, uh, and this week, I probably spent probably an entire day doing flock layers and dirt mm. and um, you know getting the the glue on it and and just getting all the bushes down and, and painting up the little fox I had going on and the little <laughs> bird and other little details <laughs> that I that so we'll have to we'll definitely have put to around link, uh, um, put a link to your Instagram on that one because yeah did you see it Andrew's last post that just went up no I'll uh, I'll, I'll have okay. to have a look yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just I just put it up today. I just yeah yeah. I had to finish the little tree. I, the little the little tree that was next to the, the statue. Actually, it sort of ended up turning it a bit bigger than I sort of was mentally planning. <laughs> I think it ended up dominating the <laughs> the piece a bit too much. Um, uh, but I just use a woodland tennis armature. I had a bit of um. I got this bark stuff from Tremendous. I think it's like a British um terrain company that you just like coat on the armature. And then, and then I spray the armature with some uh, like spray adhesive, stick on some um, rubberized horsehair, just like chunks of horsehair that I've sort of like undone, and then stick on some some of these little uh, mini nature leaves on top of it. Um, uh-huh. uh, and then, then sort of, I haven't done this step yet, but I've got to, I've got to soak it with some some uh, Mod Podge or PVA to really sort of set it, um, and that way it'll make it make the tree quite sort of resistant to handling mm. 
Yeah. Oh man, that looks from the picture you just posted, man. I, I, I think we'll have to do a whole episode where you teach us how to uh, <laughs> build scenery because it looks <laughs> it looks awesome. So, so this is I, on your yeah. Instagram, not on the. Yeah. Oh, I should, I should really put it on the podcast oh, yeah, Instagram as well it, after yeah, this yeah, episode, yeah. just awesome. so people can find it more easily. Um, I always forget to dual post things, but yeah, it's on mine. Yeah, yeah. At the moment, awesome. Yeah. Did you see it, Andrew? Nah, I just went to Old World Fanatics. Uh, I'm um. Oh, I've actually added yeah. anybody on um, Instagram because, yeah, I'm just. Oh, yep, that's your personal one, though, isn't it? Um, well, I've I've only ever had like um, I'm not too, you know, I've only ever had Facebook and back in the day MySpace, so I only I only yeah, created the uh, MySpace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I only got jumped on the Instagram for the um, old world um, fanatics. Oh, so you've got an actual Instagram account now, like a. For this stuff. Oh no, I, I only jumped to the old world fanatics, so I haven't, I haven't got a personal. Oh one, right, so. okay, you're logged yeah. in as the yeah, yeah cool, yeah. No, no worries. All good. I, I might have to you make use one. that one. Yeah, <laughs> give me an excuse. <laughs> cool. What have you been up to, Andrew? Um, well, as I was talking to you guys about, I went out and um, procured a uh, nice bit of classic scenery. Um, most people would probably be familiar with it. It's the um, uh, the dwarven fortress like the um like the mountain terrain or like the hill and it's got like the little mm. sort of um like wall around it it's got like yeah so it's something you've always wanted and you know you always got those you know you see somebody might sell it it's just gone like straight away it's always just been like that and then just happened to just be trolling on um facebook marketplace and somebody local was selling it at like a, a very reasonable price like it was 60, 60 odd dollars. When did that one come out then? Because I wasn't oh, even so, didn't it was realize a while it was ago. sort of official. Yeah, yeah, it was okay. kind of like um, GW back in the day did um, mm. oh, I think there was like an old school um cemetery and like uh, an old school orc village as well. So it's kind of like a um, like a foam, and they're basically just obviously they got a mold, and then they just paint it and flock it. So it's kind of all ready to go. Um, but that would have come out, I'm guessing, like mid nineties, maybe. Oh, yeah. Actually, you know what? I do remember it now because I. But yes, it's okay. going back a while. Yeah. Got it up here. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no. It's... And it's not their plastic terrain. No, no, no. Yeah, it's um, it's nah, foam. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's yeah. foam. Yeah. It's yeah. All painted, ready to go. Um. Mm. But yeah, no. They're they're getting on a bit now. It's funny how old some of these things are. Yeah. You know, they're getting into antiques almost. <laughs> Uh, but yeah that and um makes you feel a bit old yeah it does um and just putting together some storm fiends again but yeah we won't talk about where that's what system oh, that's that from. is scaven scheming yeah that is oh uh, okay okay that's none the, of that in sixth edition the, uh, round <laughs> no, uh, no 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 yeah. yeah. is that for round bases or is that for night ah look it is for round bases but i've been yeah. playing a lot of round bases at all so yeah, I'm just, I'm just putting them together. Yeah, you're allowed to play multiple games. It's yeah, fine. but you just can't talk about it. That's, this isn't a six, this isn't a sixth edition <laughs> podcast, and that's it's just because that's all we got until the I'll old. Just, I'll just lose all my credibility, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that that's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't get much done in a week. I guess is the thing. Doing weekly podcasts oh, so. frequently. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What yeah. have you been up to, Colin? Yeah, I mean, well, not a whole lot. I mean, I got cranked out those dry brushes that I bought or got for Father's oh, yeah. Day just to try. So I am painting five 
skeleton horseman just because that was the only unpainted things in my display cabinet. Yeah. So I thought I might just try because I'm trying to get like more of a wet dry brush, if you know what, you know what I mean, wet dry brush of the white. Yeah. Um, sort of working, but I mean, I don't know. It's, my technique's probably not as good as what these guys who sell the actual dry brushes tell you to do. So I'll probably just fall back to normal dry <laughs> brushing half the time. So, yeah, yeah. Um, But then the other, the other thing I did do, because they're nearly finished, but um, was, yeah, pulled out 10 of those Empire we, we started playing around, well, this is for the listener, us three started playing around with the idea of doing army book reviews. We think we've got one coming up and it, not to spoil it, but we think it's the Empire. <laughs> um, we'll see how we go. But because of that, I started looking at Empire lists and obviously I've got an Empire army and I was trying to work out how the hell do you make a sixth edition um, list without, because I don't have swordsmen or great swords. Um, but yeah, oh, I just yeah. got some missile troops, you know, I've got crossbows and and the handgunners that I've never painted them for eighth. So I thought, oh, I'll just, I'll paint up the 10 crossbowers, but also sort of using some of the contrast paints. That's going to be what I want to try to do. So try and match the contrast paints, but with my old scheme, oh, just yeah. to see if I can speed mm. it up again. But the yellow, I tried two different yellows and it's, it's not the same. So I'm going to just probably have to do the yellow, my, because uh, I was using like Avalon Sunset with, I think Agrax over it, like a really dirty yellow. Yeah. The contrast is either too dirty or it's, if I do it on, you know, super white or grey background, it's too bright. So, <laughs> um, yeah, you could always yeah. mix them. Yeah, no, it's true. I could. Um, but I mean, for the rest of it, it's good. Like all the leathers, the blacks. I love the black, uh, black Templar, is yeah. it? The black. It's because it's, I used to use this, um, Oh, it's like a what's game color? What's that Vallejo game color? I used to use mm. this dark. It's not black, but it was like a almost a dark charcoal. Yeah, and it was really good for black because it wasn't black. You yeah, know, yeah. Like, um, but yeah, charcoal I love brown. the black Templar because you just um, you know if you if you I go I always do still a black undercoat, but then I dry brush you know a couple of layers of white on it or, or different color highlights depending on what I want to do and then mm. I contrast in the black so the black still looks I don't know it looks good it looks like it's got a bit of contra like highlights to it so um and because my empire is Avalon so they're yellow and black there's a fair bit of black so I think the contrast will speed it up still I just need to um yeah just playing around with it trying to work and trying to match it you know with my other stuff that's all so, yeah. Um, and then obviously we went down a um, 3D printed discussion <laughs> on the weekend when I was looking for Empire people. Dobbed himself in that he's got a 3D printer. So then I started hitting him up for um, what Empire can I get printed. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. So. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Josh. <laughs> yep. It's fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and I do have a bunch of Empire that, yeah, I was already printing. And, yes, I <laughs> quite happily print extras yeah. off. But I don't know. I'm tempted now. I'm tempted. I might just see. I might just see. I'm not that I'm um, putting you under the pump here or anything, Josh. I, I might see what they look like. You know, I just want to see what what I can get out of that. And because I saw your, I mean, your peg knights and all that are 3D printed, and half your. But are they? Yeah, yeah. like yes. I got scan. I got 3D scans off. You know, cults that were like of the original war mm. horses. And just was able to print off extras. Sometimes I would mirror them just for like extra yeah, variety. Yeah. Like, you know, it's such a subtle thing that I don't think anyone would ever mm. have noticed. But some of those war horses in my Bretonian army are 
you know they're not they're not possible to have gotten yeah. in any other way apart from 3d printing because they're actually backwards. yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so really yeah in, like yeah i'll send them soon so you can see them yeah. but yeah, it's it's as good as any other molding technology or anything yeah. like that like there's maybe if you look really closely you can just see a print mm. line but it's certainly when you've got uh when you primed it yeah, like, yeah primed and yeah, painted and then really, three feet away you're not going to notice <laughs> no. that. no but e- well even five yeah. centimeters away like it's really <laughs> and if you were to get a printer like mine's two yeah, years well, old that's, like yeah. the 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 resolution's double what's you know, that's what the one i sent you entry was level ones. four or eight k so, just because i went off some youtube yeah, like channel. the 8K, yeah. eight or 12k yeah. saturn now yeah. like those ones are really really high resolution so i mean you still you're still always going to have a little bit of problems with um, you know, just su- supports and trying to get rid of them. Yeah. And, you know, it's hard, it's hard sometimes, depending on where the supports are, avoiding a little bit of disfigurement in certain areas, mm-hmm. I suppose. But that depends on the design of the supports but, and the type of thing, which then leads out of the tunnel of, uh, you know, the, the fairly involved, you know, this is 3D printing is a whole hobby hobby within a yeah. hobby. And yeah, it's yeah. Just, it takes, it actually takes, like there's three different you know areas of you know it's 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 setting up the 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 printer knowing how to deal with the the physical side of it but it's also digitally um uh, knowing how to do supports that type of thing depending on the model like some a lot of the patrons will have pre-supports and that type of thing as well but if you're just getting random stuff off like if you actually just buy decent stls and all that crap does they have it all you don't have to worry about it if you're prepared to spend the money depends depends yeah like the, the good the Certainly, it's a lot more common to get pre-supports, and all, all the almost all the patrons that you pay for, they will almost always have supports. Um, but if you're just like getting random stuff off Thingiverse or like free stuff, or um, uh, as I said, I get I've been able to find GW scans for stuff, and they never yeah. have supports, you know, because they're just you're just lucky to get a scan because yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know, they're hard to find because GW cracked out on them. <laughs> um, <laughs> They get them removed periodically, and it's like, oh, damn. So you got to grab them if you find <laughs> them, basically. Um, uh, so those ones you kind of got to do yourself. So you actually, you know, it's a bit of a learning process about how to do supports in a way that you get a model that's, you know, uh, comes off the the printer okay. That's you know that doesn't just fail, just come off the support, and 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 you know you get a complete failure, or or the support doesn't affect the the print itself once if you get a successful print, you know. So. There's quite a mm. bit to learn in that regard, but I'm making it sort of sound more complicated than it needs to be because if you just get pre-support stuff off a of Patreon and put it in a printer mm. with the appropriate settings and good resin, it'll print, and you'll be like, "Oh, this is actually really yeah, easy." Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm all for laziness, and I would never do this to not spend money on. Like, I'm really keen to spend money on, you know, the old world and all that stuff. It's just that I like it's that variety, and especially when you're doing stuff like sixth edition now, where you like can't even get half the stuff. Um, yeah. to have some of yeah. that variety yeah, um, and just the different theme lists. Like it's it's cool to go, oh, I'm going to do – you see some of these armies out there that are just totally different, but you sort of know it's – you know, you know it's an orc army, but it's massively themed, you know, some other way, you know, undead or whatever. And you're, you're never going to get that out of GW, so – um, nah, well, yeah, it's just going to support everything, like you know, like Josh was doing with his his basing, mm. you know, his, well, his yeah, terrains, and, yeah, yeah, I know, exactly, exactly yeah, yeah. It's just, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 anyway, yeah, it it, it unlocks <laughs> a lot of options for yeah. you in a way that yeah, yeah. I just yeah, you, 
like I didn't even realize when I bought the printer because I bought it for Warmaster um how many options it would give me in lots of other areas of hobby now well you've convinced me I'll just um Um, I'll see how we go a lot of things on but yeah I've already loaded up my Amazon wish list and got Josh to check it it. (laughs) Uh, anyway Cool. Well, that's, yeah, that's my hobby. So um, apart from starting to do a bit of research on the army building stuff, but I mean, army book stuff, but Mm. army book review for the next couple of episodes, but yeah. I'm really keen. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was, I was having a read them. This is, it's weird when you, you start reading other army books, you're like, oh, this, this is really awesome. It's like, Mm. it's almost like every other army is really good except for your army. Yeah. 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 It's like, Oh, I wish I had this or this banner or, you know, this thing. Yeah. It's like, Oh, that, that'd be so good. It's the genesis of, uh, starting a whole new yeah. army, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Hard to resist once you go through the book and go, Oh, I can play with this. I can play with yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. Ah, That's good. cool. Well, should we crack on with the interview or? Oh, oh I had one yeah, more yeah. thing. Hmm. Don't know if I should plug this. Plug Why it. not? Why not plug away. it at this point? Sure. <laughs> you can't not plug it now. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Right. So I think it's it's just just about to 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 become formalised. Um, in that I am trying to put together a little a little slow grow in, uh, awesome. in Melbourne, in East Melbourne, in, in out of House of War. Um, uh, I put up a little post on 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 the Melbourne Hammer Group and had had. A, probably more interest than I was expecting really. There's quite a few people that were like, oh yeah, be keen depending on schedule and timing and you know how frequently it is. Um, anyway, I was hoping for the end of all October to start um, and I contacted House of War and they were like, oh, we just had a Flames of War tournament confirmed yesterday for that day. So we pushed it back a little bit to the 12th of 12th of November on the on the Sunday at 10 a.m. hopefully. Um, uh, and I was sort of going to do six weeksly but six weeks after 12th of November is Christmas, Christmas Eve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was like, mm, not going to happen that. So I thought, I feel like, cause it's a little bit later anyway, I was like two weeks later than I was sort of thinking, should give people enough time that maybe on the 10th of December, they'll be okay to go like, you know, four weeks, mm-hmm. you know, um, and then maybe keep doing it like yeah, every sort of, you know, five or six weeks after that. Um, uh, but yeah, at the moment I don't really have a, a, I'm about to set up the event page at the moment. It's just a post on, uh, Melbourne Hammer, um, but I'll shortly have an event page up, and I'll be able to put it on uh, House of Wars page as well. Um, uh, but if people have any questions, they can either message me on the on the Facebook or through our podcast socials, or um, through the Melbourne Hammer. Group. Yeah, and we'll we'll obviously keep it up to date because obviously people will want to do it locally if they're locally. But you know, if you just want to paint up yeah, an army yeah. and follow along and just stay in that same time frame, yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because it's, I'm trying to, I'm trying to make it a fairly slowish pace. I'm only starting at 400 points, you know, for the oh, first Oh, yeah, we'll talk about that because then, then you say you think you're doing, what, six edition warbands. Yeah. Yeah, mm. well, for the first one, which is like, it's it's just to take it, make it a bit easier to, to have a few different units without having, you know, or not spending a huge amount of points, you know. So yeah. warbands, I mean, it's, it's really the same as, all the rules for the game are the same as regular. It's really just in this construction. And it basically just means you can have, units of you know just a couple yeah. of guys rather than having to have full-size units as a minimum um, and there's a couple of other uh, rules um for like if you have characters or not you can you can actually just you have a champion as a general you know um and they've actually it actually it's actually quite a good document because it breaks down for each faction 
um, if they have any other limitations or any other stuff like in terms of they can only feel one of this unit or they can't feel any of that unit. Yeah, yeah. And they've got broken it down for all your other um, Storm of Chaos and Back of the Book. Well, not sure Back of the Book, but definitely the Storm of Chaos and a bunch of other of your you know specialist lists. Mm, yeah. They've also done that for those too. So it's actually yeah. quite a quite a um, this is the beauty of six yeah, edition, right? Yeah, like, yeah. They've, they've done so much. They've done so much for it. Um, so I was using going to use the Warbands rules for the first four hundred points. I think I think Warbands works for up to five hundred. So the next one's six hundred. So it'll be back to regular points after that. But yeah, I'm just going at two hundred point increments um, every sort of yeah maybe five five to six weeks yeah. or so. That's good. That's yeah. just like what one unit effectively, or mm. you know, mm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it shouldn't be too hard to to do, like, is because like, it's like it's hard to design a slow grow where you're not putting too much pressure on people that people are just dropping out because they just like, oh, I can't keep up with this. Yeah, it's yeah. Not, it's too stressful, not yeah. worth it. Um, so I think I think a nice, just like how CanCon was, uh, you know, four games over two days with a two hour break between. I feel <laughs> like we've all gotten older. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to put yeah. <laughs> everyone just wants to have a nice relaxed pace. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's a that's a feeling behind um, running the slow grow like that. Ah, oh, cool, man. Oh, well, nah, well, we'll definitely plug it and plug it on our pod, but also obviously the socials and <clears throat> oh, sorry, my throat. Um, the show notes. I'll put links and all that sort of stuff on the on the show notes so people can start following along and then making a decision if they want to get involved in some fashion, even if it is remote. So cool, Josh. Thanks for putting the effort on for that. That's cool. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, should we get on to it to have a chat to Julian and Ben? Yep. Sounds good. Yep, let's well, do let's it. Transition away. All right. So um, we're joined by Julian Murcott and Ben Halliday, um, two fairly, I would say, fairly well-known personalities in the Warhammer community nationally. Um, uh, ran CanCon this year, and I think. May have run for tournaments well before that as well. Um, do you guys want to introduce yourselves? Yeah, sure. I'll, um, I'll go first. Do you want to go? I'm Julian. Do you <laughs> do you want any more detail than that? <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe. Yeah. Well, I just want to see you guys to say hi. Really, I didn't want to say too much more yeah, than that. Sure. Hello, <laughs> <laughs> Ben. It's Ben there. Yeah, I'm. I'm here. Yes. Oh, yeah, Hello, then. everyone. Okay. All right. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah. long-time listener, first-time caller to this one. <laughs> I know so this is like your fourth episode, I think, isn't it? Yeah, this is pretty early on. Yeah, pretty yeah, early yeah. on. We're, so, we're, yeah, we're slowly I, getting the hang of it. We have yeah, to, we have no, to get no. some celebrities in to try and boost our numbers. That's what I want. Well, there you go. <laughs> we're here now. <laughs> All right. Um, so, yeah, do you guys want to say maybe Julian first, but you can both tell us um, uh, how you guys got into Wargaming and, and Warhammer in general? Yeah, sure. Um, I started back in like 1997. <clears throat> I think probably like a lot of people, my one of my good mates bought the 5th um, edition starter kit. And he very kindly gave me all the Bretonians out of it. And he kept the Lizardmen. Oh, amazing. And, um, That's a good friend. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, it sort of just went from there. So playing fifth edition, um, you know, we were like 12 years old at the time. So like, uh, you know, no psychology, no running away, none of that silliness, just two armies charge them straight into each other and fight to the last man. That was it. Um, but yeah. Very similar tale. I've heard that a few times. So. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, yeah, sort of been playing 
since then. I think I had maybe like six years off when I first started working full time. Um, became a bit too busy for things, but yeah, came back to it maybe about twelve years ago now. Just still loving it, loving Warhammer. You loved, um, so six years was that like six? Like what? When? When would it? That was that um, most of seventh edition actually. Oh, okay. So yeah, okay. I came back just as eighth right. was dropping, and I got back into yeah. it with eighth. Yeah, and then and then since then um, branched out beyond Games Workshop as well. So play lots and lots of different war games um, at the moment. Is that as in after eighth ended as yeah, such? Is yeah. that when it changed? Definitely, yeah. Eighth was like a real catalyst. Like it, when it ended, um, up until then, I had only played Games Workshop games. So you know, Necromunda, Mordheim, um, and uh, yeah, Forty K and Fantasy. But since then. Um, just branched out into other things. Um, so Ben and I, we, we do a lot of gaming together. So we play uh, Oathmark, um, Warlords of Erewhon. Um, yep. <laughs> um, yeah. Ben's struggling there. Yeah. Um, Can you hear us, Ben? He's back. Sorry, fellas. You're right. back. Yeah, drop. Yeah, drop down on me. You know. That's okay. Just giving you a lot a sense of. I, I think I've. Uh, I'm well aware of Julian's backstory, so uh, <laughs> unlike the other villain in, in the comic book. Uh, yeah, but Julian and I have been playing war games uh, with each other for quite a while now, uh, pretty much when 8th kicked off. But myself, I, I'm a, I'm a, I've a, a, a more rarefied, uh, wonderful vintage. I can um, vaguely remember playing with a handful of models uh, for second edition Warhammer that a kid around the corner had this thing. And when I remember some older kids had some nice Dungeons and Dragons models back in the day, but third edition was a big thing for me as a teenager in the mid to late eighties. I get very nostalgic mm. watching stranger things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, um, third edition in particular, I love that old book. The old first Warhammer armies book was always quite a, uh, a a big thing for me. But I was always attracted to, to war games and toy soldiers even as a kid. So uh, Warhammer's been a, a bit of a constant there, but it, it, I definitely had a big break like a lot of people do, oh, uh, going do life stuff for a bit, um, different priorities. But the great thing about this hobby, it's um, something to fall back on and, and another way to go and socialise and meet new and interesting people and, um, break their hobbies. I mean, no, sorry. <laughs> um, it is, isn't it? It's yeah, a fantastic so, yeah. way of meeting new people. Um, uh, yes. and there's definitely been periods in my life too where um, uh, that's been a major reason to go out and play it. You know, if you're in a new environment or you, you, you've moved to a different state or something and you don't know anyone, mm. um, there's always okay. a little community there if you find that where you've got all these people in common. Um, and especially, uh, I mean, it's the proper type of people who do tend to gravitate to these hobbies, you know, a bit more, you know, introverted and stuff. It's like this, it's like this common denominator. You sit across the table from someone that you never met, but yeah, by the end of it, you've, you're probably good mates. Like it's like, I've found that I'm not, a, I'm, I've been in, yeah, I started in third, but it was always just working, you know, playing mm-hmm. in my, in my bedroom basically. And it was only in eighth that I started. That's where I met Josh, you know, playing actual tournaments. And so I'm a bit, you know, I'm a bit sort of new in that regard but it's the one thing i loved when eighth was at least at its heyday and then when it died i was like oh it felt like a kick in the guts because i was like i'm gonna miss a lot of these people especially when people moved away as well it's like yeah it's a crazy um yeah i don't know i just love it it's probably the best part of the game 
Yeah. Um, so, are you guys mainly playing fantasy these days, and in particular edition? Um, I would, I would uh, say we what mainly are you spending your time doing. I would say we mainly play fantasy games, but um, not necessarily Warhammer fantasy. So we mix it in with with Oathmark and Warlords of Erewhon, which are both other fantasy rule sets. Are they um, like? Rank and flank? Are they like um, uh, skirmish? Oathmark's rank and flank. It's it's actually really similar to Warhammer Fantasy. Ex- the main difference is that you have alternating unit activation, but otherwise okay. you've got yeah rank and flank sort of formations, um, individual figure removal, that sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. But All it's right. it's quite a interesting game to play because you can't just um, you know like alpha strike someone's army, come in and yeah. destroy their whole army in one go. You can you can always respond to their their move with your own counter move. Um, so, yeah, we like like um, playing that. You can actually use Warhammer figures for it. We also use Lord of the Rings figures and, and others. Um, yeah, and then Warlords of Erewhon, which we've just started giving a go maybe 12 months ago. It's more of a skirmish style. Um, but it's also by Rick Priestley, right. um, who did Warhammer. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it's one of his other games. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, and is that alternating activations <laughs> as well? Um, that one's, it's more like, uh, if you, if you're familiar with bolt action where each unit you have on the board, you put a dice in a bag and then you draw dice out of this bag, um, and you give each unit an order. So it, yeah, it might be alternating, but sometimes you might get a run of three or four dice in a row and you can, um, so it's it's a bit more random. You don't really know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. A bit less predictable. Um, yeah, which definitely makes interesting games. So you guys, uh, I don't know, we got you guys both on because obviously you've been TOing, but like, do you want to give us a bit, well, the listeners a bit of a background on the scene that you're actually operating in? I'm, you know, I'm guessing you're both in Canberra. Um, uh, I'd, I'd say there's a pretty, um, diverse, Canberra is quite well known for having a quite a sizable gaming community uh, proportionally for its population. We do, uh, as a city, host the, the largest wargaming or tabletop um, gaming event in Australia, which is called CanCon, and as a byproduct, probably partly of because of that, CanCon's been going for forty years. Mm. There is uh, there's there are not as many independent trading stores as you'd, you'd think there would be, but there are definitely all sorts of quite interesting communities out there. There's a tabletop gaming club connected to the ANU. There's a bit of a because we're a bit of a university town. Um, as a byproduct of that, mm. there are people who like throwing dice. There's a big um, card playing sort of community. There's also people that are into obviously Games Workshop. There's a couple of stores in our city that help sort of, you know, with that sort of crowd there. And um, like we were involved with a group um, called Northside Wargamers. There's also a, a regional wargaming group over in the other southern bit of, of ACT. And you've got the uh, Canberra Game Society, which hosts and puts on CanCon, some of the various groups around. But there are also little tiny groups that are sort of connected and do their own things. Jolt is an important venue um, as a, a store that's got quite a good tables and is able to put on fairly sizable little events for people. So we're, we're pretty fortunate to have um, options like that. Jolt Games are a great venue for people to organise a, a tabletop uh, event, particularly a proper war game as opposed to a small size game. So yeah, I guess that's that's the area where we find ourselves operating in. Um, there's a good little Warhammer Six uh, edition sort of thing that we found ourselves involved in the last couple of years, and that's mm. partly people waiting for the old world, and as well as partly people who've come to embrace Six Edition uh, as the 
you know, the champagne edition of, of it. <laughs> what, what do you reckon, Julian? Any more to add on that? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would say that for most games that you, you want to pick up and try, including Warhammer Fantasy, you can always sort of just message on some Facebook group somewhere and there's somebody playing it and you can get a game, which is, a, you know, a great thing about Canberra. I love that. Um, the, the Warhammer Fantasy scene, um, I'd say last year it was, it was really strong. Um, ben and I put on three events before CanCon and, um, yeah, I'd say the community was, it was pretty active, lots of posts, people posting what they were doing, armies they were working on, things like that. This year, after we ran CanCon, I think we were a little bit burnt out because that was our fourth event in mm. um, maybe about seven or eight months. Um, plus, we're doing other gaming as well for other other game systems. Um, so yeah, we d- hadn't hosted anything up until a couple of weeks ago, and I definitely noticed like a, a drop down in the level of activity um, on Facebook and things like that, and just people catching up for games. So it was a little bit unfortunate, I guess, we didn't see another tournament organizer step up to organize an event. Um, mm. And I think some of the momentum was coming from the fact that there were regular events. Yeah. It's, I guess it's one of those things where like how long will that yeah, enthusiasm, if, if, if it is to do with say the old world coming back or, you know, obviously eighth gone and now there's a bit of stability with six, like how long is that going to go without anything new, without any juice coming in, I guess, into the, yep. uh, into it. Um, now we'll get onto that, I think, but um, I probably jumped the gun a bit there, Josh. I was going to circle back with your fantasy sort of background um you talked about a little about the editions that you played and, and things like that but what's your what's your favorite armies guys like what do you tend to play uh, in fantasy uh i'll go first um so my favorite's definitely my empire um i had them uh, uh shortly after my mate gave him those bretonians back in 97 um the first thing that i started buying was was empire and i played them uh, right through 6th edition back in the day and then when I got back into it in 8th edition, I played them right through 8th. Um, I haven't played them just sort of in the last 18 months because I, um, after 8th died, I rebased them for Kings of War, which I regret now. <laughs> um, so and I just haven't got around to rebasing it back to individual bases. But, um, yeah, I do love the Empire just because, not that they were ever particularly good, I don't think, in any edition, but... Um, they just sort of they just had something to do in every phase of the game and they're just a really interesting army to play you've got lots of infantry cavalry magic shooting fast units um anvils it's um there was just sort of it was just a great um variety um which just makes it a fun army to play yeah um i started out collecting isles actually yeah ran i think in particular the first uh, Hi, Oz and Mordell was really, I remember the first ever box set uh, GW put out, which came with like 60 figures. You got 10 Dark Elves, 10 Wood Elves, oh, 10 yep. Scaven. <laughs> that, that was an awesome God. set. It was, it was, uh, it was like, just, just changed the whole game, uh, changed the hobby altogether because prior to that, people would just buy a blister pack or, uh, but really sort of starting to actually buy you know, create units and things like that it was really cool. Um, so, yeah, a lot of High Elves and Wood Elves for a long time, a lot of High Elves for a long while. Um, you'd have to you'd have to buy your often I'd buy your own your your opponents. I often just played against orcs and goblins with my brothers and things like that. But uh, uh, in recent years, when I took up eighth, when I got back into playing uh, war gaming, uh, I was doing a lot with with high elves. 
and in sixth edition I've mucked around a bit more with with wood elves and um, Bretonians, um, which has been fun. Uh, and nice. right now I'm working on. Uh, I inherited a whole bunch of uh, fifth edition metal beastmen models, which oh. I've been. <laughs> Wow. Been, um, okay. Yeah, they're beautiful models, and I've been stripping yeah. them, um, doing the, the different varnish and isopropanol mm. baths and getting all the paint off them and getting them ready. It's a bit of a slow process, but I'm doing a bit of a mixed lot of new and old models for that, and the idea is that they'll be able to try to set them up so I've got something that I'm um, ready to go to play with once that um, set of rules one day has happened. So, yeah, those are the things I've sort of played with, with in in Warhammer. I was interested in in going for a little bit forward though and just asking about, you know, how you guys got into to yoing events and 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 what was the attraction there? Like how because I take it it was mainly innate when you started playing again that you started to do that. Um or were you even doing it earlier on? <laughs> um yeah, uh for me I first started toing during 8th edition. I ran a couple of events through stores because um, that was kind of pretty easy. Um, you know, the store would manage the ticketing and, and things like that. And back then uh, I was sort of friends with some of the other TOs and, um, you know, they, they, they talked to, to me a bit about like the, the burnout feeling that they would be feeling from running too many events. So I tried to like run sort of like one a year, so like take a bit of that load off and some other people did the same thing. Um, and then I also started right. doing uh, a few events just from my home because I have a I had like a big shed that could fit um, six tables in it, so I could have twelve player events at home. Um, so yeah, started doing some of those, and with the stuff that I was doing from home as well, I was able to. Um, I don't know if you remember, but like back in eighth edition, the player packs often used to be like really detailed and um, unique for a lot of events. Um, and I think players back then didn't mind so much about having to read a, a detailed mm. players pack and um, tailor their army to suit it. Um, so I had a lot of fun with that. So setting up, I guess, more unique army building challenges and trying to promote right. a more uh, less competitive side of the gaming, um, taking, you know, encouraging and rewarding, taking uh, weaker choices and, yeah, more, more choices that you wouldn't see on the table as often. So I, I like okay. sort of doing it from that perspective to try and set like a, a fun event rather than a competitive event. Did you have right. to, with that, was that like, did you, have you ever run into like the, you know, eight, there was a lot of like, the, you know, comp systems, like Swedish comp came in yep. and things like, was that something that you guys had to deal with or did you use this sort of, you know, scenarios and structures and stuff? For, eight, for, than, for eighth edition or for sixth? Uh, for eighth, but I guess, you know, have you found any, was there anything, I, I wasn't, competitive in six so i don't even know if that was a thing like in terms of comps yeah um, yeah i think um i think for, for eighth um i definitely like took s sort of inspiration from the swedish compact um where uh you know taking certain choices would um uh give you like a, a higher like uh, potential swing of the, the final battle points at the end of the game in your favor like if you had more weak choices than than your opponent um and let's just say the game ended in a 10-10 draw, but if you've got more weak choices, the, the result might swing to an 11-9 or a 12-8. Mm. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I, I liked that concept. Yep. 
yeah, I'm sorry, I just uh, disconnected my uh, headphones and just have to go straight to just as a theory. <laughs> yeah, dropping it. Um, yeah, look with the tournaments with with what Julian's my my experience is pretty similar with Julian. We both pretty got it, got into doing tournaments after having played a lot of tournaments. And Swedish was uh, like uh, Swedish is a lot of fun. Like one of the fun things about eighth and Warhammer is actually list design. Uh, but as people know, certain position editions uh, have been better than others in terms of what's been relatively balanced uh, or good at actually encouraging a healthy tournament scene as opposed to an unhealthy one, I guess, is that, that trying to get that balance between that um, versus people who want to just play, you know, want to play narrative and just throw some dice. It's a bit. It's a bit hard to try to get that correct balance. But yeah, Swedish was um an interesting one because you'd, you'd have some pretty wild, um yeah, like Julian was saying, swingy sort of makeups of different armies. Someone who was really good could play something that on paper was relatively weak, but because they're really good with the Swedish um uh, handicaps that was used with, with with comp, they could still come out ahead and do quite well. I was going to say um. No, that's all. That's all great. Um, with the TOing, you mentioned sort of you know, the whole burning out, and obviously you guys, you know, ran what was it three, and then CanCon, which I'm guessing was quite large as well. Yeah. Um, I guess what have you learned from that, and how would you, how would the scene, you know, how how what can we do as like attendees and stuff, or or other people who might want a TO <laughs> to take the pressure off? So because it feels like you're right, what we need more events, but. We don't, mm. we don't want anyone burning out or, you know, in your case, not also not being able to play in them as well if you, or yeah, you're or TOing. Other people TOing on a more regular basis might help take the pressure off individuals who tend to do it quite frequently. Yeah, definitely. I think that's the main thing um, because I think, yeah, with the – obviously we neither of us played at CanCon and then with the three that we ran last year, I think I played in like one and a half of them. Um, so you, you do sort of take yourself out from playing a lot. Mm. And I think, um, just having more people helping out or just running a small event would be really good for the scene and just really good for, um, making sure the, the burden is not just laying with a small number of people, um, running a small event, like, you know, 12, 15 players or something like that. It's super easy. It requires hardly any, um, effort or preparation at all. Um, you know, you can you can make a lot of effort out of it if you want to, if you want to check army lists and, and things like that. But if you just sort of put a basic pack together, um, tell people to turn up, manage the ticketing through a store, um, yeah, there's very little to do. And I think if people did sort of just one event a year and sort of took their turn, that would, um, yeah, I think be really good for the scene. Yeah, I think... I was going to say, Julian's spot on there. I, there's something Brad from uh, Cast Dice off, often says. Look, if you get six people, you've got a day. You know, you've got a you've got a tournament. Uh, I think people can twist themselves up on thinking that they need to have something huge. It really doesn't have to be huge at all. Some of the most fun events you can run is probably around a dozen people. Uh, even even small little days out, you go, okay, we're going to play three games, and you've got might have eight people or six people. That's totally fine. And but um, regularity is really important to sort of keep things chugging along. Uh, absolutely, but uh, also providing a bit of space between events too. So there's an element of planning, and I, I guess you sort of need some people to sort of step up and talk to others that are also 
uh, generally organising events and put their hands up to sort of take turns doing things. I think um, I think we had this situation where we organised quite a few things, including I was doing um, for one year, for a little bit, a year and a bit during COVID, I was arranging a meet-up for a bunch of people and we'd often have six to eight people sort of turn up, not always different people, but that sort of fell by the wayside once I stopped turning up. It did run independently, but just probably really needed some other people that just put their hands up. So I guess if you're looking at trying to create a scene, I guess it's sort of trying to have a few more conversations with the people you're attracting about, hey, do you want to do this one, you know, in two months' time or uh, things like that might be the a way around it. Um, it's it's not just uh, people, you know, life happens. We have to fa um, fact that they want in, but um, it's important to just sort of, try to be a little bit modest in your planning and, and modest in um, what you're expecting is going to happen. And then you can get pleasantly surprised, I think. Yeah. yeah. Do you think um, there's, cause obviously like what I've found, and I think everyone who's, you know, at least played Warhammer fantasy has found this obviously after eighth died, um, you know, the community fragmented into, you know, like Kings and ninth. And then now you got the sixth, and then some people still play eighth. So do you think mm. one of the critical things even before Old World, uh, which may or may not bring some of that back, but let's be honest, you know, there's still going to be Kings of War and all that, um, is it, you know, should we be stepping up as a, at least the fantasy side of, you know, tournament running to try and um, get a consistent, you know, whether or not, you know, it's also like, um, you know, like 40K's got, you know, they use the same type of tech, you know, in terms of logging the, the tournaments you can go to like websites where you see all the tournaments at least in australia i know overseas they do that um, but it feels like in fantasy even when eighth was around uh, maybe the tech was different back then but it wasn't like i don't know there was it's just like random facebook group advertises you know tournament a few months out like there doesn't seem to be a lot of coordination between at least in australia between even the states who might run them and i'm wondering if you know that might be a good place to sort of kick in and, and help sort of facilitate that as well sort of connecting to TOs, I guess. Yeah, that's true. I mean, if, I mean, when I, when we go to put something on, um, I don't even know where else to advertise it except Facebook. Mm. You know, like back in the day, there was the the forums. What was the, what was, what, uh, War, Wargamer, War, AU. Wargamer yeah, AU. Wargamer AU. Wargamer AU. Is that dead? I haven't even gone I to it. I think it is, yeah. yeah pretty, I think it's gone. Okay. Pretty close. Okay. Which I loved that. It was fantastic. Yeah, that right? was awesome. Yeah. Um, but nothing like that exists anymore. Um, so, yeah. At the moment, yeah, stick it on Facebook and hope that people are looking at it. Yeah, because I think there's obviously, you know, there's probably only a handful of Facebook groups that if you're in, you probably will find that event potentially. But I feel like um, I was listening to, it might have been a 40K one, it might, I can't remember, but they were just saying like, you know, it's easy to run a small event because everything's done on the phone and you just log your own score and that way I can play. Like as a TO, I can play because everyone's, they know, you know, they get a text message where the next game is, what table number, like the system does it. And I'm like, why aren't we doing this? <laughs> like, we're, you know, fairness yeah, is, that's actually, you know, we're smarter than 40K players. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually a real difficult thing at the moment with 6th um, edition. Um, so there was a website that we were using called tabletop.to last year and then they shut down, I think it was around October last year. And it handled a lot of different um, scoring systems, including the, the one that we that we use for our tournaments, which is, you know, where there's 20 points on offer for each game. Um, a lot of the 40K and Age of Sigma uh, apps and websites and stuff that I've seen, um, they're all sort of win, draw, loss or some other sort of um, scoring system. And 
yeah, I actually haven't found anything that that I sort of found user friendly and, and suitable. Um, so yeah, for for the small events that we've been running here, um, uh, which are you know generally like around fifteen or less players, uh, I just I've either been doing it on pen and paper and I just do the draw that way, uh, or for the last one I just um, put a spreadsheet on my phone and did it that way and you know sorted columns and things like that and it worked perfectly fine. Um, and for for CanCon we just had uh, Ben's laptop with an offline um, bit of chess tournament management software which allowed you to put right. input um, any sort of scoring system you wanted and it would and it would do Swiss pairing and and also um, managing tables and things like that. Um, so yeah that, that was actually quite handy and didn't need an internet right. connection either but obviously like the stuff like that 40k users and like what tabletop to used to do where players log their own scores um yeah that is um so much better and if we had something like that um for fantasy it would would make running it as a to a lot easier and allow you to um potentially play in the event yeah yeah potentially because i saw when yeah when i was down in victoria uh, one of my six months ago went to a tournament uprising in ballarat and the to there ben Camper was he had like three or four different data points for each player per game and he was the only to and there was 40 of us there um and he was just trying to crunch this data the whole day trying to get through it all <laughs> he was <laughs> yeah. so stressed out by the end of the day because he was just he was just going hammer and tongue the whole time trying to get all this stuff done so that you know he could work out the placements by the end of the day and that type of thing and i think he sort of just yeah, because there was no infrastructure that he could rely on for people to put that kind of stuff in themselves. It went all the weight went on went on him, um, and I think it made it fairly unpleasant for him. Really, um, was it nice having both of you toing CanCon? Like, is that the type that size tournament? Would you be wanting to? Would it be best to do it as a pair rather than being a single to for that kind of? Yeah, um, I would say a pair is needed. Um, yeah, just like. Yeah, it could, because you are having to input the the scores and the victory points, um, and I guess like once about halfway through the round, you know, about half of the time has elapsed, people just start um, dribbling in pretty constantly. Um, but then there was also just um, really constant questions, so um, right. I would just sort of like wander up and down, and um, yeah, like like every few tables someone would stop me to ask ask a question about the rules and just assumed I was this encyclopedia of knowledge <laughs> which in the in the lead up to the event I think I reread the rule book like three or four times so that I would be as knowledgeable as possible but um yeah I was really surprised just to um people you know I guess people want to keep the game moving so they probably could look it up themselves but they see you there so they just ask the question um so yeah it was just yeah. pretty, pretty constantly answering questions which you know, then you so you know you're not back at the table entering scores. So one of us would always be sitting at the table in case someone wanted to come up and ask something else. And then usually one of us would be wandering around. Yeah, I must admit, when you see the TO at TO there, it is very tempting to go, ah, oh, do you know this rule? Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. look it up. I must admit. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, and I don't, and I don't begrudge that because it does keep the game flowing. Because you want everyone to finish six turns if if they can. Um, so it's good; it keeps the game moving, but. I, I guess I was I was surprised after having done like twelve player events here where it's pretty relaxed and you can definitely play in it yourself as long as you don't have odd numbers. Whereas um, CanCon, yeah, like it was uh, it was it was pretty busy and I definitely wouldn't want to do it by myself. 
And just so back when they, I don't know if we added it at the top. Like, how many people were at the CanCon at in January this year? Uh, Fifty, and then we had. 50. Um, yeah, we have. We just had one dropout at game three. So I, 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 I played game three, and then we had a set, and then we had one more dropout for game four. So we went went back to even numbers. So we finished mm. finished with forty eight. I think right. we still still uh, hold the record in Australia at the moment for that one for a six edition tournament. So there's there's uh, we did put down the challenge to other people to organise something <laughs> bigger. But but I mean as as you guys are saying, like there's have been some pretty impressive events held in Victoria and and elsewhere, uh, which is great. We could have had more as well, but we literally were. It was getting to that point. I think we were very conscious of what would go into it in terms of that data entry, which you guys are talking about, having to use the the, uh, the chess um, software, as well as people wanting to, uh, you know, having lots of questions. And we would have required it to actually sort of expand. We would have needed someone else to actually come and help us, I think, as right. well as um, we were literally running out of uh, options for terrain. I mean, 50, mm, yeah, 50 people is 25 tables. 25 tables yes, yeah. You know, yeah, the community in the ACT is fantastic, and uh, uh, some of the punters coming in from New South Wales were very good at uh, bringing some 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 equipment. But you you can't run a tournament if you're relying from people from interstate. You actually need a good solid base uh, where you're at. So uh, while Julie and I had enough to probably cover at least you know what half the tables, we still had to bring in uh, right. you know, for the better gear um, stuff from from um, elsewhere, which we spent a lot of time really sort of vetting and really being very um trying to make sure that people from interstate were actually going to come through with the goods because there's nothing you know there's nothing mm. wrong with this a lot of young blokes like saying that they're going to do something um <laughs> i was one of them um but you want to make sure that's actually going to happen so that's a, a word of caution when you're running a, a big event is you really want to be sure you've got the equipment to do it uh would be yeah, why well, they do it, and also you, you John, julian's reminded me of back at the back in the old days and, and what josh was, was saying the um the the software and the resource management stuff that you're doing online um is is radically changed from what it used to be and it was such an onerous task putting together the round back in the day you know sort of what 10 years ago mm. um freight edition and i mean i mean we played at uh i mean would we it's 150 players or something for an eighth edition tournament at cancon um at one point, and I mean, one of the one of the TOs got heat exhaustion. I mean, it's just so much pressure on us. Really, not cool. I think if uh, when the, the the old world hits, if the rules are any good, um, no doubt there will be a, a scene, and probably various scenes that'll happen. But I am hopeful that there will be uh, new software that'll be quite accessible, which we'll be able to use and adapt. Uh, and then I, I think, Gomo, you were you were asking the question about um, the splittering of of various. So, I don't know, fantasy games and all the rest of it. I, I think there's an element of like, look, just let a, let a thousand flowers bloom and, and see what happens. Uh, and that's yep. pretty much what's been going on, uh, keeping an open mind. When this, yeah. this, you know, when the toe happens, though, I think it's going to um, blow everything away for the first 12 months or so, maybe a bit more longer. You're going to have a lot of people who are going to come in and try it out. And that's great. And you're going to have a lot of different types of players that are going to come in. Uh, so it's going to be really great and uh, a lot of fun to sort of see how that goes. Mm. But I've got no – if the rules are complete crap, <laughs> uh, people are just going to go fall back on, on, on things that they, they're enjoying playing in those communities. And I think that is actually a, 
like it's a positive thing. There used to be a bit too uh, mono, if, if you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So um, people have now got more options now. So I think it's a, like it's not something to be negative. I think it's a, actually a very good thing to have lots of options. The hardest thing is just, just trying to um, keeping your little communities going and, and uh, sticking to a couple of things long enough that you're not just – uh, falling for the latest pretty thing that comes along and blowing your money because we, we should have hobbies that are sustainable and not just those that are open to those who've got the cash to do it because it can be expensive. We talked about this on now uh, like an episode earlier, but like I seeing Games Workshop, uh, obviously you're always going to have some people who are going to be sceptical about the ability for Games Workshop to actually, you know, create a game and, and not just turn into a, you know, a business for them. I mean, they have to obviously make money and things, but we have – we're all pretty – I think the guys on our podcast are quite positive that the changes we've seen out of Games Workshop in the last, you know, since, you know, they're more community-driven and even watching slightly from afar and how they're dealing with 10th edition at the moment, 40K, at least I'm pretty confident that if the old world comes out and there's some major issues or whatever that they're going to try and address it. Like I'm, I'm hoping they will do that because that's what they seem to be doing with the other games. So compared to what it was in eighth where you might be lucky to get a, you know, FAQ out every whatever it was, one year if that. Um, I'm hoping that will help as well. And then obviously they are doing more. I don't know if it's as good as the community, but I know GW are trying to do a lot more to support tournaments too. So it'll be interesting to see what they do, um, obviously to support the old world as well in that regard. Um compared to what they would have done with eighth, I guess. Um, but yeah. going on to that, I mean, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, yeah. I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about it, to be honest. Like mm. a lot of people like to rag on GW and say they are terrible at writing rules and, and balancing the game. And what I've and – I, and I would have previously agreed with that. However, um, coming back to sixth edition and also coming back to even eighth edition, so playing a bit of eighth edition last year, when all of a sudden you're not playing at tournaments and you're playing people like in genuinely casual settings um, and you know and you're not you're not doing a tournament practice game you, like yeah uh, the um, the the game all of a sudden um, actually plays a lot better than you realized mm. it did um, it was often you know just one or two unit choices in an army book that maybe broke an army or threw the balance yeah. out. Yeah, and when you're just playing with people who aren't interested in trying to break the game, it's they are fun game. They're fun games, and they're they're good to play. And I wouldn't say that they're overly complicated. There's certainly simpler ones out there, but um, yeah, I I, I I think I think if you can find the right people to play with, um, they're good games. So yeah, I'm 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 not too worried about the old world. Uh, I, I would say that you know the tournaments will probably be competitive, like they always are. And maybe you won't have as much fun there, but I think if you balance it with some casual gaming, it'll probably be fine. How did you find the intensity of the games in general at the CanCon, though? Because I felt like the tournament atmosphere in general was pretty relaxed and casual. Um, is that, would that we would line up with how you guys feeling? To, we were definitely trying to encourage that. I mean, we obviously weren't playing in the games, um, but we were trying to, in terms of the army selection, we tried to really encourage people to, Tone things down a bit. Um, we maybe asked, I don't know, five or six people to resubmit their lists that we thought were either too strong right. or weren't necessarily strong, but we just thought that they wouldn't actually make for a fun game for their opponent where it was just yeah. simply too much shooting. 
um, couple of couple of armies where it was a hundred percent shooting, and so we sort of said, you know, you need to just make a more interesting game for your opponent. Like there was there was one where I didn't even think it was particularly good. They probably would have lost most of their games, but it just simply wouldn't have been fun games for the opponent. So we definitely tried to steer people towards um, yeah building armies that were fun to play with and against um, and weren't overly strong. Um, and yeah, I. I didn't see anyone at the tournament no one said anything to me about not having fun or feeling like they played a game where they never stood a chance you know from from as soon as you put your models on the table um yeah, yeah I, I felt yeah. like it, it it went pretty well in that regard yeah and, and certainly playing in it i've certainly felt like the people that were there playing with me were there's people that happy to play another fantasy tournament you know like it wasn't like a a high intensity atmosphere or anything like that at all. We were just like, it was almost felt like we we're just playing four casual games, you know, especially because you had a couple of hours between <laughs> the, each game on each day and we're just cruising around. It was, it was really just a nice relaxed weekend rather yeah, than the it, old eight, eight, da- eight game, three day epic marathon old tank on that we used to do in eighth. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely what we wanted with the four games over two days, a more relaxed pace so that, yeah, if you, um, in the games leading up to lunch, you know, if you didn't finish them on time, we weren't going to be hassling you for your score. We'd just let you play into lunch because you had such a long long lunch break. So you could take your time, enjoy the game. Um, we also wanted to uh, just I, – I think we spent a lot of time talking about the type of events that we would enjoy uh, in terms of how we designed CanCon and that's also how we went about our lead-in. We spent – we did a number of um, – I guess practice runs for CanCon, and we, we're talking about having like sort of you know anywhere between fourteen and over twenty attending a, a, those tournaments, and they were excellent practice. So the the idea was that people would actually at CanCon get to enjoy and appreciate CanCon because, like you're saying, Josh, that was always the most dis- disappointing thing because uh, the Uber tournament scene back in the day was there was a lot of people who were quite obsessed with getting themselves up to be uh, on the rankings for. The, you know, best players in Australia. Uh, and also there were people who were really keen to get themselves ranked to go and travel and play Warhammer overseas. And look, that's that's wonderful. It was one of the part of the, the scenes. But uh, it lent itself to sort of silly stuff at CanCon because you got um, more waiting on the tournament event if you got three three games in a day. And, and CanCon, for example, I think, what was it? Eight eight games over three days was was nuts one year. It's just not not yeah. fun. People who were even people who were serious competitive players were like, "This is just silly," you know. You barely had enough time to, you know, use the facilities, let alone eat eat, eat food. We came <laughs> you, you never actually an endurance event. Yeah, I'd be more than a yeah, tournament. So, <laughs> yeah, I've never done a three dayer, but I, yeah, I'd, no, it was nuts. It was, yeah. It, it, it was exhausting. Yeah, it was. I, I did also. I did also back in eighth edition do. Uh, I think it was. What was the standard points back then? I think it was yeah, twenty four hundred. Yeah, uh, but it. But it was um, five games in one day, and so we, it was in Brisbane, and we started at like we started at about seven thirty in the morning at, at a bowls club. Oh my god! And went through to about ten thirty at night. And wow. we're on the booze from game one as well. And by, by the time the day finished, <laughs> I think I'd already been drunk and then was hungover. <laughs> and it was just absolutely, 
absolutely shattered. <laughs> That's when you want to run into the person with the all shooty army and you can't yeah. just sit there. <laughs> I just, uh, roll yeah. your dice, mate. I'm drinking. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. I, I still remember game five. It's like, you know, eight o'clock at night. And I said to the guy, oh, just 10, 10, and let's just go hit the bar. Mm. And he goes, no, I paid for five games. I want five games. And I'm like, are you serious? Oh, <laughs> <mate>. <laughs> We, wow. So I had to had to play it out, and we had a draw. We had a ten ten. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, oh, so, um, just oh, no, no, sorry, I was just going to say, Gamma, the um, no, you you go. Actually, I've lost my point already. I had it was important, but Julian, but Julian's covered. <laughs> I was, was going to say that team um, events were were a good thing in eighth. And that's something I'd like to see uh, people think about mm. in terms of games that they're organising casually. Mm. We had a wonderful guy time, um, was it 10 years ago now, I reckon, Julie? We went to, went to Wellington and we, we played mm. in a team event. <laughs> it was meant to be a four. We had four, four of us and the yeah. main guy who was our better player uh, decided he, he, would, uh, he was a, a serious tournament player. Uh, he decided he'd, he'd much rather there was another event put on that he could get more points on for his standing and he ditched us. <laughs> but, so the Kiwis very, very uh, fortunately uh, provided us with a, with a stand-in. Uh, and we, we had a wonderful time, though, this, this team event. Like, yeah, it was, you know, they played a very competitive um, sort of style, I guess, but it was, it was a lot of, really a lot of fun and um, quite a bit of a... A challenge as yeah. well because you're sort of comparing, you know, different matchups and things like that. That was uh, a, a nice nuance to what that set of rules are like. But I was just thinking about six edition and the like, and um, there are lots of great scenarios you can rip through the old eighth edition um, book and maybe apply them to a six edition set uh, using those rules. For example, we've used um, oath mark and bolt action uh scenario ideas for for taking objectives and things like that with our games so uh there's a lot of lot of things you can draw upon and and sort of kind of renew um uh, playing six for example which i I think is probably the the best edition at the moment in terms of playability and and balance despite you know yeah you can break it but you know there are ways to try to get that balance it's a good point about the um teams because that's another thing um that I hear a lot from the 40K scene is the team events and that the team events help neutralise some of those ridiculous skewed lists because you can't every, – every team might take it, but you, that's, you've only got that many teams, and you know what I mean? Like you can't have – if there's a 30-person event, you can't have 15 people taking a broken list because no one can double up on – at least in their team, they can't double up on lists. So – um, or armies, I should say, or whatever, factions, whatever you call them. So, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see that with the old world. Um, maybe that would yeah, be that was teams. a lot. That was a lot of fun. Be great to have yeah. that come back. We, um, like Ben said, we played in that one in New Zealand, but uh, I remember someone ran one in Canberra as well and had maybe 20 or so players. Um, yeah, doing all the matchups and everything, it's a lot of fun. How big was each team for 20 players? I think it was. I can't remember if it was three or four. It was around about 20. I can't remember, but okay. this has gone back like 10 years now. But, um, yeah, I can't remember how many rounds we did either, but, uh, yeah, it was good fun. Um, hey, Andrew. Andrew's hey. joined us for the, the end of the yeah, interview. That's good. All good, mate. Hey, guys. G'day. Hey, guys. All good. Hey, um, I, I might um, push it along a little bit. Like, so CanCon, because we have been talking about that, CanCon 2024, 
what's happening with that? We don't have TO. Is that is that correct? Or just, you guys are not doing that, are no, you? No, look, I mean, there's been no, some noise from the Sydney crew. There is a, there is a, I under, I've never seen their Facebook page, but I don't know, they can correct, correct us, but there is a Sydney six edition Warhammer fantasy group. Mm-hmm. Uh, they definitely have a, a messenger group and I, I sort of, you know, occasionally sort of lurk in the background seeing what they're up to <laughs> but they're those 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 they're wonderful people are they've got two tournaments that are going on they, they are doing a six a tournament at uh, mother of all battles which is a big yep. quite a decent sized mm. convention uh, to be held in sydney it's sort of held in the shire end of september early october uh, and there's also going to be an 8th edition um, tournament happening at the same thing. It's called Moab. I don't know if you, you guys have ever gone to it. but Yeah, yeah well, we had Pat. Uh, no, we haven't. Well, well, I haven't. But we had Patty on who's running the 6th yeah, edition yeah. Um, tournament last yeah. week. So, so there is yeah. some noise from them. Some of them said, oh, yeah, we're going to put in a submission. But uh, I'm not sure where that's gone. The, look, the key thing with Cancun, and I'm not sure, Julian, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but... Uh, the deadline's coming up. So if you're actually going to put an event on, you you need to get a submission in to, to, to get in it. And the way it works with CanCon is you, you kind of, you need to put a submission in and you need to sort of basically sort of have a fair idea of what your minimum number of players is. And you also need to make a pitch. And the, the pitch often to Canberra Game Society about running at CanCon is about how many days you're going to run your event for. So... They give priority to ones that it runs for three days and then there's the two days and one days. And there's a, there's a bit of a movable feast in terms of like how people are going with their registrations. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, uh, yeah. So if people are getting, uh, you know, I'm not sure what's going with those Sydney guys and I, I do hope they have a crack of it. But, uh, um, yeah, don't don't know. We've, I'm, I'm sure if um, I'm able to assist the camera with some terrain, but um, we haven't had anyone reach out to us as yet but i know julian's going to be mm. doing oathmark myself personally i'm going to be overseas promised my dear wife that i'd finally uh would you know go away and and i, I might actually get to cancon to play for a day or something because when i come back from overseas but <laughs> it'll be the first time i've missed cancon in a very long time probably like 15 years or something so yeah, oh, unfortunately, won't be able to yeah. able to run you the event. It. But yeah, <laughs> but it, but when I do, it's going to be nice to actually just go along and throw some dice, playing some Oathmark, which will be, um, which Julian's um, is organised for that one. It's just a nice little small thing, not very stressful. Um, sort of you know set of rules, and it's a nice neat little game. I think isn't it? The that's the idea, really, isn't it, Julian? Yeah, I think yeah, like like Ben said, because you'll be away. I didn't want to do CanCon by myself. Um, it's just too hectic. Um, so, yeah, that's why I guess we're not looking to do it. Um, yep. I guess if anyone was going to chuck in a registration, they would probably need to do it ASAP. Um, like Ben said, like I've reg- I've registered to run the Oathmark event for CanCon, but that's only 12 players, so it's it's very easy as a single person to do that. Um, but I, I submitted my registration for that maybe two months ago. Um so yeah, I think if someone was looking to do sixth edition, they they do need to crack on mm-hmm. because on um, yeah, because the camp organisers they'll be like dividing up the halls, looking at how many tables each event has asked for and trying to work out the numbers. Uh, like you know, like yeah. what happened this year was that 
Ben and I only asked for was it twelve or sixteen or something like that. Yeah, and it was every time because um, we we sort of did it based on how much terrain we owned, and then uh, then we had to start asking the community to donate terrain. Mm-hmm. And each time we got like a batch of more people offering up their terrain, we were able to expand the ticketing. But every time they uh, every time CGS did that, we were like eating into the table space of other events. Um, so. Yeah, like that, they had sort of divided up what they thought each event said that they were going to take up. Um, but then, you know, you, you need your community to get onto their tickets as quickly as possible so you can basically eat up the space. So, yeah, I mean, if so, hopefully, so if someone is going to run it, hopefully they've registered already and CGS is sort of planning that enough space for them. Yeah. Is it something doable if you were based in the state to to, to TO at Can- Yeah, I think so. Um, 99% of the work is just done online um, in the lead up to the event. So, you know, preparing a uh, players pack, um, getting in touch with potential sponsors, um, just doing communication to the players uh, and that, all that sort of thing. The only sort of thing that you actually need to physically be here for is the day before the event. Um, mm-hmm. CGS opened up the halls, um, I think it was like around midday this year. But you, you could you could turn up potentially even as late as like you know like quite late into the evening. So even if you were travelling interstate and you're arriving, you know, the afternoon, bef- you know, before the event sort of thing, you could still just turn up with all your terrain. And CGS basically they set up all the tables and the tabletops for you, and you just have to come in with your mats and your terrain and set it all up. So I think yeah, if you were if you were interstate, you'd probably have to travel with a certain amount of your own terrain. And then pretty much do what we did, which is getting in touch with the Canberra community or, or potentially other people travelling and asking them to donate terrain. And what we did with all those people was to ask them to meet us at the hall at a certain time and they all, they all rocked up and um, we just sort of said, you know, you set up your tables here and you over here and we let them set up the terrain on each of their tables as, as they wanted. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's totally doable from interstate. Oh, cool. That's good to know. I know Josh was tempted. <laughs> uh, uh, that's good. Yeah. Hey, well, let's, um, to move on, just get your thoughts. Uh, we were going to just quickly cover some, you know, your, what you just ran in Retro Hammer and stuff, but before then, I want to just get your thoughts a little bit on the old, word and the old world and you've sort of hinted that a little bit just through the discussions. But, I mean, I guess from, I don't know what the best way here is, maybe just each of you guys, like what do you what are your thoughts on the old world um, in terms of what you've seen so far? Um, yeah, how's it sitting with you, I guess? Uh, for me, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, it's it's hard to say whether it'll be good or not because we have such limited details. But I guess from what we do know, um, you know, I, I like this fact that the base sizes are increasing so that you can rank up your models easier. Mm-hmm. You know, as <laughs> yeah. someone who uses Empire, Halberdiers and Blood yeah. Letters... <laughs> And terrible units like that, which are just horrendous to rank up. Um, yeah, I think the increased base sizes you know, will be great. Um, and I don't know if, if GW's confirmed it or whether it's just the rumours constantly swirling, but the the idea of some of the older plastic kits coming back into production, um, I'm quite looking forward to that. I'd, I'd mm. definitely like to pick up some of the orc stuff, um, you know, the multi-part, just the regular orc boys and orc war boys, so... I hope that they do bring back some of the old kids. That'd be nice. They definitely mentioned it. I'm pretty sure um, 
they mentioned it when they pulled the cities, it's like the Empire line, that that's going to be show back up. Oh, and the Blackhawks, you know, they pulled them for the, yep. you know, for the new whatever came out the other day and they said they're getting, you know, in preparation for the old world. So yep. um, I'm pretty much, and to, I think they said it about Tomb Kings, I'm pretty sure. Mm. So hopefully we see so, some of those kids because at, at yeah. the moment I'm painting about 40 um, the fourth edition, fifth edition orcs, the monopose ones, you know, the oh, yeah. orcs standing there with the giant scimitar. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm doing some of those at the moment and I've already got a bunch of orcs that I painted in eighth edition. So it'd be nice to get a few more boxes and finish off the army. But, yeah, in terms of rules, who knows, you know, I think there's such limited details at this stage. Is there any um, – yeah, sorry, yeah. Ben, what are you looking forward to or what's your thoughts? Uh Look, it'll be nice to have some new models. It also, like Julian saying, it'll be nice for people who have access to to all the kits that have been uh, removed from the range. It, look, it, I think I'm excited about the idea of there just being some new content and support by a big trader. So for for this um mm. for that that'll be that'll be good. That'll be a good fun thing. I guess we can sort of anticipate, and if they have made noises about uh, providing a, I guess a gateway at the, at the start, so that all factions that currently sort of existed in eighth, they've said will be playable. So I guess in terms of six, they did that. Was it um, Ravening Hordes, um, which was mm. a, a yeah. bridge between fifth edition into sixth edition in terms of um, the, before those new army books were put out for people to play with. That that stuff's going to be fun and interesting. The narrative thing I, I think is kind of enjoyable. Uh, I like the idea of their sort of really – focusing in on the sort of the old world era and then expanding on in a different timeline. I mean, it is funny, though. You get some people that get particularly obsessed with the, the timeline stuff that you find on YouTube It's as if it's real history. Yeah. You know, you can't do that because I had an 11, 12, and you're like, <laughs> yeah. oh, mate, no, you know, like it's nice to have some fluff, but gee whiz, it's not literally the word. Um, so, look, that that's yeah, fine. Yeah. And, I mean, it's also coupled with my um, – I'm one of those people who um, – for me, there's no such thing as the end of. I don't know what they were talking about. End of end of day. I don't know what they mean. End of times. End of days. Yeah. Uh, it's irrelevant yeah. um, because I refuse to. You know, I'm in denial. Some would say I just say, well, it, it yeah. just didn't happen. I love it. It though. didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and I think that's the thing. Like, I'll give it a go and try it out. But I mean, the great thing about those older additional books and the fluff and the even all the backstories is, well, why not? You'll get some new ideas and maybe new ideas and and some of the old ideas you can incorporate in the terms of how you're going to play with your mates and your friends uh, in terms of, you know, a new set of rules. Um, I like some of the design notes that sounded a little bit third edition-ish in terms of the idea of pushbacks mm. from combats or even yeah. Warhammer Ancients has that in terms of, you know, you have a, a pushback sort of thing happen in a, in a, in a fight. You might win and decide to push your opponent back a little bit rather than just a follow up. That was an interesting thing in Warhammer Ancients as well as um, it's something that happens in Warmaster as well. And I'm intrigued mm. about what was written about the magic phase. The yeah, magic phase might be something, you know, maybe if it's Warmaster in, uh, inspired. I don't know if you guys have ever played that. It's very neat and simple. The magic in that is uh, a nice little buff, but it's not going to, you know, it's not going to win you the game. Um, so yeah, I'm intrigued to sort of see how those things go. Um, but at the same time, like you know, I I think yeah, yeah, if you've been around, it's probably important to just have take it all with a grain of salt, enjoy the ride, and enjoy the new toys. But don't get 
sort of too hung up about yeah. it because you know there's lots of uh grown men having and and well not very many women but having tears about stuff that's beyond their control at the end of the day it's a company trying to make money and yeah hopefully you can influence them to do things that you like but really um the actual you should just look to the people you play with and, and adopt your own house rules and the like about how you want to play uh and with tournaments well like we were sort of saying before the tournaments we like we've enjoyed running at ones where we just want everyone to have a nice balanced fun time yeah it can be competitive but we don't want don't necessarily want to encourage the antisocial sort of behavior that that has existed and used to be a bit of a curse for some of the large uh, events around the place and can still happen in some some sort of tournament settings it's definitely not the best of uh tabletop war gamers which is which is a shame really because we are talking about a wonderful hobby which is all about actually interacting with people as opposed to doing it online yeah so let's um let's just end the sort of this question bit with uh i don't know if you saw the run sheet i had like if you could tell gw just one thing to get right with the old world do you guys have anything any thoughts on that one that doesn't have to be rules it could be anything for me it would be the overall figure count for your army um and not setting it too high i think like a game like sixth edition or fifth edition you know the the you don't you don't have too many figures to collect and, and paint whereas with eighth edition yep. um you know you take one or two hordes in your army and that's a, a monumental painting effort to get through um and it's also extremely expensive for a lot of people so <laughs> Um, yeah, I would say just keeping the, the size of the armies under control um, would be conducive to actually people getting into the hobby um, and then finishing an army because it's very dispiriting to, I think, for a lot of people to collect something and not have the will to finish it. Um, yeah, and then I think for, for people that do manage to power through it and paint up an army, you can start another one. Um, rather than having one gigantic one. Um, so, yeah, I think just keeping a good size for the army would be, I think, the best thing um, in terms of the health of the game. Yeah, I reckon more more fluff probably might be the saving grace of, as opposed to uh, too much of an emphasis on the, the latest monstrous model of the month. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember with Blue Bait if you'd have that situation where you know, power creep was something at one point in the hobby, or it might be um, a new model or a new unit would come along and people would just go, oh, I've got, I have to buy that. And we see that happen in the 40K universe. Like it's one of the reasons why it never stuck with me as a kid because it just seemed to be the, the kid had, who got more pocket money than you was always going to have the better force because, you know, they were able to buy the brand new spanking dreadnought that you couldn't afford. So um, I, I think, <laughs> you know, I, I get they're trying to run a business, they're going to sell some models, but I, I think plenty of fluff in terms of um, providing a sort of the, the narratives and scenarios, ideas for running, um, maybe, you know, how, you, how you'd run, you know, little side projects like, you know, how you'd run siege rules again or running a mm. campaign. What does a campaign look like in 2023 as opposed to when in Mighty Empires was, was written in the late 90s, a mm. fantastic supplement. Um, you know, things we, we've got excellent te um, tech we can use these days to actually um, really fill in the universes that we're going to play and fight uh, Warhammer around. So, you know, building on that that um, world building that Total War has done for the hobby uh, would be a good thing to see. 
Uh, and I think that's, if you think about I've been thinking about the fact that that's one of the things why the, the game's never completely died out is because of the world building and the immersion that sort of um, over a, a very long period of time has, has sort of kept on. So I think if they lean into that, they could definitely make money out of that and that would probably keep people interested. Um, but that's probably also another reason why it's not going to be like a release like 40K um, in mm. terms of, you know, constant churn of figures. Uh, I think... You know, yeah, I want to see some new stuff and I hope they do that, but I just really hope they're going to lean more on sort of providing something that people are just going to keep going back to uh, and wanting to play and then having giving them ideas. I'd, I'd definitely, you know, support that uh, would be what I'd like to see as opposed to, you know, um, I, look, at one point it felt like the hairdressers had taken over writing. You know, it's like this old joke, you know, when a TV series yeah. is the hairdressers have taken over the writing. It's like, yeah, that was what 8th really sort of turned into. It was like, <laughs> you know, they're beautiful models, but it was pretty obvious that no one's actually playing the game that was, um, you know, writing the rules or doing the, the very lovely army books. Uh, it was terrible. So uh, I want to see something that's not going to fall over uh, like the uh, that last one did. Shall we talk a little bit about the recent uh, tournament that you guys both ran and attended, each of you, I guess? Uh, Retro Hammer? Um, uh, uh, Julian, I was interested that you went for a seventeen hundred point um uh, tournament. Yeah, uh, what was what was the thinking behind that? Um, the idea was uh, we were playing at Jolt, and they don't open until ten o'clock. Um, and that's when they'll let me in to set up the tables as well. So I had to rush in as everyone else is walking in, quickly set up the tables, and then so we've only got from ten fifteen till about five o'clock to basically run the event and I figured if I went for a larger size points say around 2000 people need about two and a half hours and you just simply can't really fit that in for the day so it was either going to be do two games at 2000 points or three games at a smaller points level and yeah so I, I allowed the players two hours per game and um I thought you know what's sort of like a reasonable amount of points that they can get through uh, in two hours, so we went with went with seventeen hundred, and I think almost everyone finished all of their games. Um, so it, it was a pretty good level. Um, but I think um, for three games, you know, you could probably also maybe go fifteen hundred or, or you know, or seventeen or something around there, and people can get through their games in time. Yeah, pretty practical reason by the sound of it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, I think it's also just uh, literal time. Yeah. Uh, that that sort of format of that amount of points is is really different too. So if you you do find yourself playing a lot of two thousand mm. point games, highly recommend trying smaller smaller value points games in six because you end up sort of it would probably encourage you to design a list different to uh, how you'd normally play. Mm. Uh, look, I, I, it was kind of fun on the one hand having Tomb King or VC um, players, you know, uh, obviously not great if they're not taking their lord sort of stuff that so that's um that, that can be a yeah. handicap for them but i mean at the same time um not every army is you know going to have you could come up with other creative ways to, to do your list i guess um, i'm not sure how we'd quite sort of cater to that but um I, I think smaller point games can be good entry level as well for newer people who aren't they're all that familiar with the malarkey um they don't need as many models or, or the like but as well as the magic phases are a lot less complicated 
in terms of um, well, you got less options, don't you? You know, you're only going to have yeah. so many spells to to use, and the magic phase is pretty nice already in in six and less complicated than than uh, later editions. So. Yeah, 1700 works really well um, from my perspective. I know it's something um, we're going to be using next month. Got a, a one day tournament as part of a, our local gaming club. It's got a, an event coming up uh, in October. We're going to stick with the 1700 to be able to squeeze those games through. Uh, and I guess the last thing I'd say about 1700 points too in a, in a tournament setting, say with six, um, or even if you're going to do it with eighth, is smaller points can actually also ensure that people are more likely to finish their games. Uh, because let's face it, you know, some of us are new or forget things or older and, and like taking our time. <laughs> uh, you know, if you're playing a smaller point yep. game, there's, there's, uh, there's one way to sort of compensate for delay. Uh, I don't think it's great to sit there and play a full two and a half hour, like three two and a half hour, hour games is, is really silly. You want to try to, you know, go through at a steady pace. And ideally, you're going to finish a game in less than two hours. Mm. I mean, I must admit, having played a lot of eighth back in the day and very often getting to enough hours and maybe four turns in, I've been pleasantly surprised at how often you get the full six turns through and often it's two and a quarter hours or yeah, even two yeah, hours sometimes. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. It's I hard find, to know. I find the same with six as well. I can get through it a lot faster. What do you think it is? Is it because we're not rolling quite so many dice? Is it because things are failing, leadership and running off the board, and so you know things <laughs> just sort of play out more quickly? Like, yeah, I think so. I think yeah, know. less dice, right? Like, because you know, dead models can't fight back. Uh, no one steps up. Mm. So sometimes yeah. when you're the one getting attacked, you might only have one or two dice to roll in response, which is nice and mm. quick. Yep. Um, yep. And then, like after a combat, you can't pivot your unit. So people used to spend, you know might only be a minute or two each time they do it but like they're pivoting their unit and trying to um, you know do a combat reform and keep the angles exactly right so they're not getting flanked in the following turn and whatever um you can't do that in six so yeah you finish the combat and you just move straight on to the next thing yeah which is a nice way of punishing poor movement i feel like (laughs) if you had a lot of backup for for mitigating um disastrous situations yeah, and and also I feel like there's less rerolls in sixth as well. So remember in eighth, all the, all the yeah, elves more, almost used to be rerolling everything. Yeah. Um, and then you had the battle standard bearers, which let you reroll every psychology test instead of just your break test. So yeah, you're just rerolling more dice and sucking up more time. Yeah, I mean, look, having a unit break due to a fear causing unit in six is is quite a a shock first time I haven't seen if you what <laughs> but uh, uh yeah and look the no such thing as a Swiss reform Swiss reform is, is quite an amazing thing. Um you know that ability to you know you oh you've crushed something and then just move around. Oh that's yeah no you don't get to do that. So I, it's also I think there's a there's an almost a uh there's a little bit of a chess element going on there in six set takes a little bit of getting your, your mind used to sort of that's why the you have to think more about the deployment phase i think in many ways because you don't have that maneuverability that you you had in eighth mm. which can be frustrating mm. but i think it is actually really rewarding if you sort of think i've deployed well 
the, the units that I wanted to charge, I got into, you know, there's, there's things like that that go on. You have to sort of come up with strategy um, at the start of the game as opposed to, I think an ape was quite forgiving of that because you're able to sort of do magic manoeuvres and, you know, all of a sudden, oh, I'm in your rear now or oh, now I've just turned around and, um, you know, there's not nothing wrong with that. So it's just, uh, it's just a different type of game. So... Uh, I did did find that and a bit of an adjustment the first couple of times I played six, but now it's like even that idea that you get charged and you find yourself not being able to fight back used to be sort of a cause of outrage. Um, you do find yourself sort of going, well, okay, they don't get the fight back, but if they survive the round, they get the fight in the next round. And there's only so many dice you're rolling. So, um, yeah, there's, there's some really neat things in that set of rules, I think, uh, make for a bit of a cleaner game in terms of there's only so many things that you can do that make speed it up a bit. Yeah, well, 8th and, well, obviously ninth Age that uh, myself, Josh and Gomo played, like the rules were just getting a little bit, you know, the, there was rules for everything, you know, in the end, mm. like it was, it was getting a bit out of control almost. Mm. Um, that's yeah, that's one good thing I found definitely with sixth, as you were saying, it's just a simpler, cleaner format. Mm. Mm. I, I love the the the, the but, armies in, in yeah. ninth. It's fantastic. The Warhammer Army projects and things. I like had some great ideas, but I did find that the ninth games I played was just just too much dice for me. <laughs> but yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, hundred percent. The only thing I miss in six is like a, a little bit of. Going against some of the like, I did like some of the the toys that Eighth brought out. Just you know, some very reality. Like, like I don't mind some of that monstrous infantry, monstrous mm -hmm. cab. That some of the stuff's there as long as it's not totally over. You know, powering the game, and I miss a little yeah. bit of that. Um, sort of going back, I'd like to see how that would fit in a sixth edition world because because you got less uh, potentially smaller units and everything. If anything, it, it could lend you to have a smaller figure count army anyway because you know you might have a you, know, you might have demigriffs in your empire army as well you know and so you're not having to have um you know you're not painting even as many figures so yeah. it'd be interesting because obviously i'm assuming with the old world that some of those old kits will come back so it might be a little bit of this weird mishmash of you know six edition units but with some some of these bigger units that were starting to creep out in eight so yeah, interesting yeah. to see how they get it Okay, going back to Retro Hammer anyway, slight, mm -hmm. slight detour there, guys. Yeah, <laughs> comparison to Vates. Um, uh, so, yeah, maybe we can get, maybe Julian, if we just briefly cover how the event went overall and then maybe Ben can talk, you know, through his list and the games and, and you know, uh, how he how he went um, participating in it. Yeah, sure. It was, well, so it was, um, we ended up having 12 players, um, had a good mix of armies, um, including a couple of dogs of war, orcs and goblins, high elves, wood elves, warriors of chaos. So good mix of things, which was nice to see. Um, everyone was pretty chill. Um, I didn't ask to see lists or anything prior to the event. I just asked everyone to be mindful of bringing something that would be fun to play against. And I think, yeah, absolutely everybody did that, um, brought fun armies. And I don't think anyone brought anything that was uh, overly strong, which was great to see. Um yeah, it uh, went well. Um, what, what, we ended up having a, a draw um, 
for, for the for first place at, at the end, and <laughs> because uh, I was too lazy to record victory points, uh, I end up just having the the two winners have to do a dice off to uh, determine <laughs> first and second. It's like, a, it's like a soccer match. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I was I was just putting the the points into my the spreadsheet on my phone and. Um, yeah, I couldn't really be bothered doing the victory points. So, <laughs> but uh, no, we end up having a winner at the end, so that was all good. Um, just to keep things simple as well, because we had had a number of new people sign up that I think weren't too familiar with the game, so we end up having battle line for two scenarios, just to keep it simple. And for the second scenario, I just did a, I made up a custom one where I put two objectives on the center line. Um, maybe about 12 inches out from the center thereabouts I didn't actually measure it I just sort of looked at each table and looked what would be like a nice logical spot where it looked would look good amongst the terrain and I put these two objectives on the table Um, at the end of the game they were worth victory points but I think more importantly during the game they had an in-game effect so if you controlled one of the uh uh, an objective it would drain away uh, an enemy's power dice during their magic phase um, and the reason I did that was uh, rather than just having an objective to capture at the end of the game where some armies might sit back shoot or whatever and then they zip up at the last turn and grab it um, I wanted you to encourage the player to actually have to advance and take the objective early in the game and you know force that confrontation um, and then also I think magic of, of all, you know, 6th edition being a good game, I think magic can be quite powerful. So I liked the idea of taking control of the objectives and draining away a power dice. Um, so, yeah, I think that scenario went pretty well. Um, yeah, and overall it was a good event. So how did you go, Ben, in it? Um, you obviously played Yeah, it, middle of you? the pack, middle of the pack, you know, halfway hero prize. So had gave it a go. That is actually our, our favourite award with the events we run. Is, is the halfway year, or it's mine. Uh, <laughs> but it's that, that idea, we don't do wooden spoons. It's, it's if you come halfway, it's like, well, you had a go. Uh, and that's really pretty much the luck of yeah. people who are really into playing the game. If you've come you come in the middle of the pack, well, you know, that's that's fantastic. It means you had your chances and it just wasn't your time. But you had a good old crack. You... Oh, I'll take that award for Castle yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah. If you had a hundred. Yeah, take that one. <laughs> right I, think, I think it's a much way to, better way to do it. I mean, I don't know. I, I was talking to people about coming across people who used to sort of, you know, literally play for the wooden spoon for a prize. I mean, it's just insane. So <laughs> I, I think halfway is a better one. Yeah. I, I had a great time. Um, I was running my, my Woody's. I mean, 1,700, look, what else at 1,700 points are probably a, a bit of a nasty list and I could have made them even more nasty. I, I basically made sure I, I didn't take a tree man. I didn't take aura or any snipey stuff. I didn't take the, um, there's that one use item that they've got. You can use a sprite to target an enemy character and they've got to take a leadership test and if they fail, they, it's like D3 wounds, no save of any kind. You can just literally just, you know, Kill their, well, kill their, yeah. I, Ouch. But like, yeah. these are just my. These yeah. are things. If you're a real mongrel, you you take that. Yeah, uh, I didn't do that. So yeah, yeah. I had um, two lots of dryads. I had a big block of eternal guard using the bottle bodyguard. Did a very um, seventeen hundred points too. I think it's um, a good fun game. Is you have, don't don't use much shooting. So uh, had a block of um, eternal guard. I had two lots of glade riders. The Musos, what else did I do? Oh, yeah, I had a, a solid um, 
big unit of uh, tree kin. That's where it broke. Um, you know, people could cry about that one, but I had like running about six of them. Big point sink. <laughs> but uh, they, they are, I mean, the wood elves that I'm always amazed in six is how solid they are. And I, I think I now finally understand why people were so upset in eight. <laughs> you know, why uh, they had a lot of problems <laughs> um, uh, being competitive with that when the 6th edition book was being used for such a long time and 8th edition was around. It was not much of a, a match-up for them, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, that's a really fun list to, to play with because you've got very limited shooting and you're just basically going up, you know, using the flanks and, and I'm going to go. The first first game I played a pretty much a high off sort of gun line, two bolt throwers, um, two lots of archers, you know, a decent block of spearmen and... Um, Sword, sword masters, you know, great, great guy I played with, but um, had his chances, but he fluffed his shooting and it was pretty much all all, all over by turn three. Um, fought it through and, you know, I, yeah, it was, I mean, yeah, I didn't mind, didn't mind the game, but yeah, it was to be over. But the, the, the next game I played a game called, guy, local guy called Goldie, who was one of the original organisers for what used to be DogCon, back in the day for six editions. Oh, so, wow. mm-hmm. uh, and those dog cons used to be huge, you know, 300 player type sort of events. Uh, yeah, yeah. Games. So his, his, his models are fantastic to look at here. These um, uh, orcs and goblin lists, but this particular list was one of those back of the book ones, which was basically um, this character that enabled him to take uh, basically a complete army just full of biggins. Can you remember the name of that one? I think it was uh, – it, 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 no, it was the Storm of Chaos. It was the Grim Gores Ardvoids list. Yeah. So every oh, every right. unit was upgraded to Biggins. Yeah. So that was – It was a cool That army. was really hard to play. Uh, had a great game, but I, I was really happy to walk away with the draw. So first game, you know, went really well. Uh, but, yeah, second game was a draw. And, and the last game – um, I completely fluffed it. It was one of those ones you play where you're going, yeah, yeah, I should, should have won, but you just, you know, the gods were not with me. <laughs> um, that one. I'm trying to remember. Oh. Can you remember who I played, Julian? That was, that was like, the third game. Yeah, wasn't that, wasn't that, wasn't that Vampire Counts? Oh, yeah. No, that was, yeah, it was a brutal game. Um, it's that I I hadn't seen anyone use it for before, but the. Not the Sylvania No, list. no, it was the monster. No, it was the 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 Necra, Necra. List. so he could take a un, an unridden zombie dragon oh. as a rare choice. It was, it was one of the back of the book lists. Yeah, and this this thing would just drain. Um, it was like you were getting neg ones to hit. So you, yeah, I think it was um, the, the zombie dragon has a like a rule that you're negative one to hit it, and then he had a character with the the cursed book, which has a six inch bubble of oh, minus yeah. one to hit. So sometimes, yeah, when I did come over to your table, yeah, the dragon and that character happened to be in the same combat. Yep. And so, yeah, Ben's oh. trip at negative two. Yeah. So, ah, <laughs> uh, you know, the answer, yeah, I needed, needed the roll high and it just wasn't happening for me. It was um, a brutal game. But I wasn't tabled, so that was the most important thing. But, uh, yeah, still crawled away some points. But that was an interesting learning lesson because I, I didn't, hadn't come across that build before in the flesh. So, yeah, that was fun. Um, and I think um, the the event I'm running pretty soon just probably just going to rip off what Julian's make up for this retro hammer one. But like we're saying, I, I think you know guys are looking for quick, easy events so you can squeeze in a bit of time, particularly for people who got um, 
responsibilities and the like. Three day, uh, three games of seventeen hundred points is one way to churn through a day of playing six edition and still getting yourself home at five o'clock to sort out the kids or whatever. So, um, yeah, I recommend yeah, that yeah. format. But if you're going to do two thousand points, you have to be really disciplined about how you're going to run that because it's just it's too much to manage. Um, otherwise, yeah, I think you've either got to start at nine yeah. o'clock or, or or do two two games yeah. only. Yeah. Hmm. Cool. No, well, it sounds pretty successful. And, um, yeah, so you have another one coming up. That's just obviously local. Um, yeah. We, we do get guys, we, you, you know, I mean, any people, we, we, well, people are more than welcome from interstate. But, uh, yeah, we, we run this this Belcon thing in North, North Canberra. And, but that, that problem, we, we, there's a number of systems that run for it. And, again, we sort of compete in terms of who's going to get the most number of tables. I don't think they're going to let us have any more than 16 mm. spots, really, because it depends on who's managed to pull their finger out and organise a, a, a tournament. But, um, yeah, that one is coming up. Uh, but, you know, if people from interstate are welcome to that one, and we do post it up on our on our page and that. But, uh, you know, we'll put it on uh, Warhammer Fantasy Australia is the um, uh, main Facebook page that we occasionally put up stuff for people interstate. We encourage people from interstate who are, as one way to sort of that is seems to be a good little spot for people to place mm. things that they're doing. I think, yeah. I did see your one pop up, so I just can't remember what group it was on, but yeah, it is. Uh, I did, I did see the Belcon one. So yeah, yeah cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, does anyone else have any other questions for Julian and Ben while we got them? No, I think we've covered most of what we wanted to cover. Really, what's on there? Yeah. No, well, man, we appreciate it, guys. Thanks so much for coming on. Um, we always joke about how long these things are going. They always go longer than it's great. It's good. I think everyone just loves talking yeah. about Warhammer. So that's <laughs> yeah. why we start. That's why we started the podcast because thought like everyone's going to be just so on top of it and thirsty for it. You know, um, when the old world gets here. So yeah, it's yeah. Uh, yeah. Need more content. Oh. Thanks so much for having us. It's lovely to have you. Yeah, no, it's been it's been great. Yeah. And uh, I was I was very glad to see uh, Miniature Realms gave you guys a shout out the other day, uh, Stuart from Miniature Realms. So mm. yeah, he did. Yeah, I was, yes. I, was, I was like, yeah. oh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, he's he's yeah. he's a fantastic um, content creator on on YouTube. His his painting's fantastic. Does really good tutorials for people that haven't um, checked his his gear out and he's very system agnostic but he, he does does he's having a bit of a nostalgia like a few of us for about um warhammer fantasy so yeah recommend him and i mean might also say like i don't know what you guys are, are, are listening or, or looking at at the moment but jordan sorcery for people who haven't um seen him you guys come across mm. him yeah right that i'm his pat- oh, oh, patron i mean yeah he's he's, he's uh, great he's just yeah, yeah. Yeah. What he's doing for the community is just yeah. awesome. So yeah, yeah. it's lots of good stuff. Um the Rogue Element, um that was his name, Stoss or whatever in um Queensland. Stoss. Yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah, doing yeah. solid yeah, stuff. I just wish he wasn't living so far away. I'd love to play <laughs> him, but you know, hopping on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but you know. I, I, I'm, I'm glad to say is, is he a he's, he's moving away from dwarves the stunties. He's he's actually gonna play some VCs though, or something, isn't it? A story he was painting them. Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen him. He's painting vampires. some sixth edition vampires yeah. for a bit. Yeah, he's, yeah. Had, he's had he's had one vampire game the other day. He put uh-huh. a few up. I'll have um, to check so, it out. Yeah, he's definitely playing them. Yeah, no. 
Yeah, yeah, no, it's no, cool. it's it's cool. cool and I'd, I'd like to also yeah, yeah shout out. Um, I mean the the other bit of content I'm being you know I always have a cast dice. Uh, our man Brad down in Victoria, his systems you know North he he just plays so many different games, but he's always good for a bit of a shout out about nostalgia and um, 40, 40 uh, playing Warhammer Fantasy and the like. I uh, think so. Good, good ones to check out. So I don't know. That's what. I don't know. Yeah, I recommend people check these those out. But it's really great to have you guys. Uh, you know, putting some content out and having having a good chat. Uh, I, I did find it amusing. Uh, Stuart from Miniature Worlds was pointing out this is a, a lot less sweary than <laughs> some of the more renowned <laughs> um, podcasts that you know, Aussie, Aussie ones. ones. Yeah, yeah well, there's not, not nothing yeah. wrong with having. I've been told no, to be swear, but sure. Yeah. Oh, I enjoyed pl- <clears throat> playing Dave uh, Palmer at uh, Castle as soon as I knew what he was like. We were on to yeah. it, so that was good. <clears throat> no, nah, no. Nah. I mean, yeah, I'm, I've got a filthy mouth. It's just that I know other people, a lot of people listening, you know, so. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, really appreciate your work, guys. So, yeah, it's been great to have a chat. Oh, awesome. Cheers. Yeah, and thanks cool. so much for your time and, um, yeah, uh, hopefully we'll get you guys back on at a future on a future episode. Yeah, that'd be great. No worries. Well, All right. Yeah. Thanks so much. Guys. Guys. Wow. Well, that was um, that was longer discussion than I thought. But thanks so much, Julie and Ben, for coming on. Um, what do you guys think? Yeah. It's always good to see good TOs doing a lot of work. They were great. Yeah. They were yeah, super informative, lovely guys. Um, uh, I think they do some some really good work supporting the community. Um, and I feel like how much any more support really um, mm. setting up uh, tournaments and, and events to, to build sort of a community for everyone to sort of enjoy. Nah, totally. It's a good, good point. And um, yeah, hopefully, I think hopefully people will step up more and uh, us included and stuff, obviously the podcast, but obviously running events is what we need. And so hopefully with the, the old world and a bit more, you know, bringing the community back together, I think hopefully won't, won't just won't leave it up to a couple of people to sort of keep everything going. Um, yeah. yeah. That, I, I just, you know, the more people you meet within the sixth community, you just, you just realize like it's, it's actually a really nice group of people. Like it's not super competitive. It's competitive, like which everybody wants, but like it's, it is that fun. It is, you know, not having stupid lists and, you know, just, I, I just, yeah. Another couple of great guys I've, I've met and it's every time I meet, more people within the community, it just draws me closer in. I'm just like, this is this is actually yeah. a really, really good what, community. I mean, I sort of mentioned on on the interview, like that's what I missed once eighth died. I just felt like the others just didn't do it as much. That's why I sort of fell out of it a bit, I guess. But um, <clears throat> and you always hear that 40k is more, I don't know, just like hardcore competitive a bit. And yeah, yeah. I don't know. Is it just the age and fantasy? Just gamers are just more after a bit of fun. I have no idea. Yeah. Well, that oh, I think. <clears throat> They're like the fluff as well, like you know, like, mm-hmm. it's that narrative a bit. I think I think fantasy loves that narrative, and yeah, sometimes the narrative takes precedence over, you know, always you have to win. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ah, cool. Oh, anyway, so we're gonna plan on. I can. I guess our next. Uh, just before we wrap up here, our next uh, uh, episodes. Actually, probably next two episodes. We're thinking might be. Army book review. We just we found, and other podcasters will laugh at, at this. That you know, 
our episodes start off thinking, oh, it'd be an hour and then it's two hours later. <laughs> so I think if we get into an army book review, it's not going to be even two hours. It might no, be. we were going to attack the army book review on the back of the, the interview well, originally. And it's originally, just like... I think it was more me just <laughs> writing <laughs> options. That I didn't think it would be that. But, yes, you're right. Once we went, that's not going to work. Um, so I think at the moment we're penciling that maybe the next two episodes. I don't know how we, we haven't talked about it yet, but um, how we might split it, whether or not we do law next week and then, you know, more gaming the one after. We'll have to play around with it, I guess, guys, this week and see where we go. But, you know, we're at this point we're aiming for, I guess, the Empire because some of the other podcasts we know about have done some of the other armies. We sort of compared, I guess, what armies we either have or were interested in. I think that's how we came up with the Empire, was it? Yeah. I think. Yeah, something we sort of knew about, yeah. 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 So, and I don't know, it feels old worldish in terms of compatible do you know what i mean like, oh um, smack bang in the middle of it isn't it yeah like, it yeah, is yeah. the old one so <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> good place to start and i'm sure yeah. we'll hopefully do all of the uh armies uh at some point yeah hopefully anyway cool was yeah anything else you want to say on that otherwise um we might let listeners go no no i was just no, gonna say good. um thanks to all the international guys like i, I can't believe how many people from around the globe um have been listening in so you know our friends in chile ukraine just everywhere mm. I, I couldn't believe it um thanks yeah. for tuning in oh thanks for every, all the listeners hey we've had great uptake and obviously it gives us the momentum and the um the, the willpower to, to keep recording 100%. on a monday so yeah, yeah, yeah that's good and keeps us uh hobbying so i love it definitely does cool yeah. Anyway, guys, I'll let you get back to your Monday nights then. And, um, yeah, thanks, like we just said, thanks for listening to the Old World Fanatics. Um, please rate us if you are listening. You know, obviously subscribe and give us a five-star rating on your podcast software of choice because it does, like, helps us get out there a bit. Um, but, yeah, obviously you can talk to us on socials, send us any pictures or suggestions. And we're pretty much Old World Fanatics at gmail.com, Old World Fanatics on uh, Instagram and Old World Fanatic on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it. So, yep, please, uh, you know, like, subscribe, share, listen, do all that sort of stuff. And um, we'll talk next week when we're discussing the Empire. So thanks a lot, everyone, and I'll talk to you guys next week. Right, cheers, Ciao. guys. All right, see you.